0: Good Saturday evening. You're listening to News Radio 680 WPTF, and this is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you. And this show is made possible through the support of Transitions Life Care and usually representing Transitions Life Care is Cooper Linton. But Nicole Bruno is here and she is representing both Transitions Life Care and Transitions Guiding Lights. You're pulling double duty. Today, I
1: Nicole. am. Tough shoes to fill for sure.
0: Oh, well, Those are very, very big shoes. They are quite Some... big.
1: I have noticed how big his feet are. <laughs> they're, they're quite big, actually.
0: <laughs> big old hunting shoes on, yeah, on that's Cooper. That's right. And I, I'm Jason Kong and we've got another great show lined up for you today. And this is a very timely show, Nicole, because mm-hmm. it's Parkinson's Awareness Month and we have a great... guest. Yes. Uh, actually a couple great guests uh, this segment and next segment to talk about that.
1: We sure do. Um, you know, Parkinson's is a disease that I think a lot of people don't often think about, but it really is a disease, at least with transitions, guiding lights, that faces a lot of the caregivers we're supporting. and It's a chronic condition and really affects thousands upon thousands of North Carolinians. So I'm super glad to have Blake Tedder. He is a social worker and community development manager with the Parkinson's Foundation. So glad to have you here.
2: Yeah, thanks. I'm glad to be here.
1: So, um, let's just kind of get to some basic facts and figures. I'm really curious, you know, people listening, uh, I think people think when they think Parkinson's, they automatically think Michael J. Fox.
2: That's, of course.
1: You know, he course. is just iconic with, with the whole disease, yeah. which I think he's actually brought a face to Parkinson's it's, disease. It's been a
2: wonderful thing for
1: Parkinson's. It sh- yep. sure has. And he's he's actually had a very, um, just recently read an article that he uh, he was interviewed, and he has a very positive outlook, actually, with the disease. And he said that once he was initially diagnosed, everybody said, oh, poor Michael J j fox poor michael j fox but he said you know what he just has taken it with humor yeah and you know i think that's super important when people face chronic conditions that sometimes humor is some of the best medicine out there
2: it's true and and actually the parkinson's foundation the national parkinson's foundation funded a uh a grant this year for um for improv comedy and Parkinson's in Chicago, and I'm I'm hoping we can bring that. Into oh, how North cool Carolina. Is that? I'm talking to someone. Hope we can bring that here in North Carolina. But yeah, humor and um, a, a good spirit uh, is is one of the best things uh, for Parkinson's because it is such a chronic uh, and progressive uh, disorder that that you have to find some amount of hope in the middle of all of it.
1: Blessing the mess, as they call it. Oh, yeah.
2: I hadn't heard that. Yeah. But I'll, yeah. I'll start it <laughs> That's that an too. Irma
1: Bombeck quote, <laughs> for sure. So let's talk a little bit about the facts and figures with Parkinson's. You know, how, you know, how big is the scope of this disorder? How many people does it affect in this state? And, and kind of what are some of the things that we need to look for if we're suspecting this in a loved one?
2: Sure. So Parkinson's is a chronic progressive neurological disorder okay. and it's it's what they call neurodegenerative Okay. meaning that um, over time uh, the neurons the brain cells actually degenerate and, um, and people lose function in those brain cells um, just for a little background it's specific brain cells that that produce dopamine which is essential for movement and coordination um, these are brain cells that are located in a, a particular area of the brain and they uh slowly lose their ability to produce dopamine or they die which means that uh they can no longer uh help you um, move your hand I'm moving my hand right now in radio land you can't see that but <laughs> just picture picture I, I, this yeah I know exactly how I'm moving my hand clenching my fist and all that uh if you are lacking uh dopamine or the dopamine cells you lose the ability to control your movements and um uh, there's there's other things beyond movements. Parkinson's is known as a movement disorder because it affects movements, but it certainly goes beyond movements into um, into uh, cognitive functioning and things like that. So uh, it affects um, one million Americans with Parkinson's. We estimate that it's somewhere around um, thirty thousand in North Carolina. Wow. Yeah, and um, uh, you know we think about it as um, every nine minutes someone is diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. Uh, There's 60,000 people a year diagnosed in America. And if you think about um, the Panther Stadium, when we're playing well, I think you know a, a fairly full stadium on a fairly full game is is how many people are getting diagnosed per year with mm. Parkinson's wow. disease. Wow,
0: yeah, that's a really significant number. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now, you're talking about this uh, neurodegenerative disorder. Right. Um, what are some of the early signs that, sure. that someone may want, want to so, be evaluated? So
2: with? the early signs, um, particularly what, what's the most well-known is, is the tremor. Mm-hmm. And uh, typically that will happen on one side of the body, mm-hmm. typically in a hand um, or an arm. It can be in a leg. It can be in the jaw. Uh, it'll tend to happen on one side of the body, and it will usually always progress to the other side of the body eventually. But people first notice um, the tremor. But what's interesting is they're finding that there are much earlier symptoms in parkinson 's disease hmm. that people may not know about, uh, like constipation um, uh, that can be one of them, or just general dizziness. but there's also uh, lots of other signs that you would you would not know, like loss of smell or uh, my, what we call micrographia when the um, the right handwriting becomes really small. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll see that in a lot of people. Uh, what's really common too is a low volume of voice people will yes. think that they're speaking loudly but they're actually speaking at a very low volume um, and that's that's actually really common so we see that but the the four main symptoms are we, we use the acronym TRAP there's another acronym out there mm-hmm. but tremor, uh, rigidity which is a stiffness in the body, um, akinesia or bradykinesia which means that you're moving slowly and feel like you're being stuck in position and that, that's a fall risk And then um, P, uh, postural instability, Um, so that's uh, slouching, Um, you'll start to slouch, lose balance, fall, those things.
1: So you mentioned it's a neurodegenerative disorder, Is is it related to the dementia? World in that way is is Parkinson. I I yep. think there is a dementia component for some people as the disease sure. progresses, but are they somehow related?
2: You know, I, I can I could not tell you the um you're, you're pushing me at my scientific uh, limit with, <laughs> with how the how the I, I how works. But um Parkinson's and and Alzheimer's are in the same general categories, mm-hmm. and and we typically say that Parkinson's is the second most common neurodegenerative disorder, Alzheimer's being the first. Okay. and I will say that the Dementia is very common in Parkinson's disease. We actually have a new book at the National Parkinson Foundation, Parkinson's Foundation, called um, Psychosis, and we also have one called Mood, and we also have one called Mind, Mood, and Memory, because um, we know now that Parkinson's is so far beyond just a movement disorder. It affects the mind. Um, psychosis and depression. Are psychosis.
1: Mm-hmm. Could you explain for our listeners what that means? Oh,
2: psychosis. Uh, I I guess I could. Um, Psychosis would be uh, a loss of um, touch with a, a, a common reality, I guess, um, where maybe you have a better definition. So
1: somebody becomes paranoid.
2: Paranoid, uh, delusional, seeing hallucinations, okay. things like that. Um, that's very common. Um, well, it's 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 common in in the pro- later progressions of Parkinson's disease, but the the symptoms of that kind of, um, of psychosis or um, Uh, Dementia are different than in Alzheimer's. They're different in a in in a different sense. There's usually not the loss of memory and things like that.
1: So let's say we we get a a, uh, uh, Parkinson's diagnosis. What next? Is there a cure? What can we do about it?
2: Thanks. What what what
1: what is the what's the overall prognosis? Is this a terminal disease? That sort of. So it
2: is chronic, um, but it's it's not what we call um, terminal in the sense that you can't die from Parkinson's disease. Okay. Parkinson's disease progresses, and people often die from complications that come from Parkinson's, like falls. Mm -hmm.
1: Um, Swallowing, I know, becomes an issue.
2: Exactly. Swallowing becomes an issue. Um, So, uh, pneumonias and and, and Mm -hmm. things like that. Um, um, And you asked about... Medications. Right. So, so treatment, uh, Mm -hmm. there is no cure, but um, there are lots of medications out there. Um, There's the gold standard carbidopa levodopa, which... uh, Mimics dopamine. Say that brain. five times fast. Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, Should there, I take a bless you? there are lots of treatments, and, and one of the things that we promote as a foundation that is one of the best treatments for Parkinson's is exercise mm-hmm. and, and, and movement and doing high intensity exercise to help develop the neuroplasticity of the brain.
1: You know, the Parkinson's Foundation's done a lot of great PR on three areas that I've noticed. Um, the first is bicycling, that's right, boxing, boxing. and dancing. That's right. Uh, so if I know that everybody knows know that, right? I, <laughs> but no, seriously, I wish you all. Everyone knew that. <laughs> but but apparently, I mean, I guess if you put someone with Parkinson's on a bicycle, they can bicycle. If they can't walk, they might be able to just ride their bike right down the street well, without a it's, problem. It's
2: interesting, and and tandem bicycling is 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 also really uh, one of those things that just works with Parkinson's. But what's really interesting right now is boxing. That mm. is, uh, there is a great Rocksteady boxing class. Rocksteady boxing is the sort of national brand of boxing, and there's one in Cary. And I tell you, there's there's like 40, 50 people that show up to those classes sometimes. It's really exciting. And it's the it's the novelty of it and the high intensity of it that really makes those new brain connections. People didn't grow up boxing. So they, they start boxing and they're all of a sudden they're <laughs> fighting awesome. back against this disease.
0: That's impressive. I, even more impressive is pulling off the tandem bicycle. I, oh, yeah.
1: I, I don't think I could do that. And I don't have a movement. Well, maybe I do. I can't drink a cup of coffee without spilling it i I, I
0: immediately (laughs) fall down on the tandem bicycle so that's that's to me that's the most impressive part of this well our our guest is blake tedder and he's with the parkinson's foundation and we're going to continue our discussion on parkinson's as april is parkinson's awareness month we'll do that in just a bit you're listening to aging matters care and comfort that surrounds you a service of transitions life care who you can find online at transitionslifecare.org you're listening to news radio 680 wptf You're listening to News Radio 680 WPTF. This is Aging Matters, Care and Comfort that Surrounds You. I am Jason Kong. Nicole Bruno here today representing both Transitions Guiding Lights and Transitions Life Care. Cooper Linton, who's normally here, We'll be back next week. We've given him a week off, Nicole. I hope he doesn't get too too big of an ego with this. You know,
1: this. I know. And I'm, I'm kind of having like this whole vision now. In this corner, Nicole Bruno. And in that corner, Nicole Bruno, <laughs> considering we're just talking about boxing. So <laughs> I could fight myself today. It's kind of an interesting feeling.
0: <laughs> you would be you'd be a good ring announcer, I think. Would
1: I? You, could, you got the I chops could do it. for it. You yeah, as long chops. as I don't have to be the sign girl, I wouldn't like no, that too no, much. No, no, <laughs> no.
0: That's, that's a waste of your talents. Thank
1: you, thank that's you. That's a waste of your talents.
0: Well, we're, uh, we're talking about... Part Parkinson's today, and uh, this month is Parkinson's Awareness Month, and we've got uh, Blake Tedder here with the Parkinson's Foundation, and uh, and we're actually going to talk to now uh, Pat Nelson, who is uh, affiliated with the Parkinson's Foundation, and uh, Nicole. She's she's got a pretty interesting story.
1: She sure does. I mean, uh, first of all, thank you so much for coming here today, Pat. You're it's just a pleasure to have you here. I absolutely love any time that we can bring a person into the studio that has um, actually personally dealt with the. Injury. Issue at hand, You know, we're all a bunch of talking heads here and we're professionals and we know what we're doing. But to bring somebody like you here who has been a caregiver in the past to an individual with Parkinson's. Parkinson's
3: is an interesting disease. Yeah. Uh, I really didn't know anything about it. Uh, the, uh, when my husband first, he worked on computers uh-huh. and he and his brother was fixing a computer one night and he kept breaking apart. Mm. He says, why? and it turns out that he was shaking right and so as he was shaking he'd break the part and so the t and the trap the tremors Mm -hmm. he started showing the tremors and so uh, he went to the doctor and they diagnosed and put him on medication it did uh, affect his handwriting Mm -hmm. which you couldn't read it to start off with you. They definitely couldn't read <laughs> it a later. Man, right? <laughs> <laughs> we said he ought to be a doctor
1: because they say doctor's handwriting. Oh, it's, well, it's, by the look of Blake over here in the studio, he's got pretty small handwriting already. <laughs> well, that, uh, the small handwriting really doesn't apply. Uh, his was just, well... A scroll. Sure. So your, so your husband got the diagnosis, but I'm really curious to hear about, you know, what was that journey like for you? You know, here, you probably were picturing sort of a, a different progression of your lives together, and now you have... Definitely. How, how, did, how did you deal with that?
3: I figured that if God gave, me, gave it to me, He'd get me through it. Mm-hmm. And so I held on to that. Mm-hmm. Because um, and thank goodness, my husband was a really a model patient, because uh, he decided that he was going to fight it with everything he had, and mm-hmm. he did. He did.
1: yeah, must have been hard for him though,
3: I'm sure. I'm sure it was hard for him. Mm-hmm. so especially when uh, he, and he made the decision that uh, he was having problems with his foot not being able to move it Mm -hmm. not knowing when he could move it right it's called freezing Mm -hmm. and he made the decision not to drive so that left all the driving up to me
1: but at least you didn't have to take that away that's a Uh, big issue we hear a lot here in the studios when families have to have those difficult conversations we let him
3: keep his license because at that point we had a um, grandson who was uh just gotten his permit Mm -hmm. that meant that If I couldn't go somewhere with him, Mm -hmm. then we say, Grandson, you drive. (laughs) 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 Because Grandpa still had his license in his
1: pocket. Uh huh. Uh huh. So um, it worked out
3: nicely that way.
1: So, how many years did your husband live with this disease? He lived with it about 20. Wow. So that's a long, It is. We, we talk a lot about, you know, a lot of times, and, I, and I've been a, a family caregiver twice. So, and certainly the, for me, obviously, if I was a family caregiver twice by now for 20 years, I'd be twice as old as I am. But the experience of caregiving, you know, you, you go into it and you're full of energy. And at least for me, I felt like I could do it all. I could handle it. All, I was a superwoman. But I swear, after you run full steam for X number of months, you hit a wall. I did you hit a wall? Freezed,
2: uh,
3: <laughs> <froze>. <laughs> yeah, you do. But thank goodness I had two daughters that was very, very supportive. That's one. Well, I had three that was supportive, but uh, one was out of state, so um, uh, she was involved with Parkinson
1: in her location. So I'm just kind of curious, Pat, you know, if you could give some advice to somebody listening today who's a family caregiver regardless if it's parkinson's or dementia or somebody with cancer you know whatever the issue is how do you how you've did this for 20 years and you came out the other side how what what suggestions do you give a person to make it through
3: take some time for yourself Mm
1: -hmm.
3: and do not see it as a long term take it one day at a time
1: yeah if you knew 20 years ahead of you, that would have been, I'm oh, sure. I probably
3: would have lived.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Very overwhelming. Very because
3: overwhelming. it would be so overwhelming that yeah. uh, I would have said probably, I can't do this. Yeah. But not knowing uh, what it's going to be next day, you take it one day at a time.
1: And that's, that's, that's a really positive attitude. And I know it sounds to me, you know, we were talking before we came into the studio a little bit about support groups. Were you, did you participate I in some? I did
3: participate in the support groups. Was um, that helpful to you? It was. Uh, we, found a, uh, we actually found a support group that we went to at, uh, in Durham. Mm-hmm. And we also, uh, they, uh, one of the things that Parkinson's also affects is your voice. hmm Making it, as Blake mentioned, so so uh, soft, and we found that Duke had a uh, program that um, for free, mm-hmm. uh, is at the Tear House in, uh, in uh, Durham, mm-hmm. that they meet the second t- uh, second Monday mm-hmm. every uh, month. So that was that was very helpful. Uh, it's voice therapy. Great. So, it, they do they
1: say it loud prou- and proud. say it loud say it proud uh-huh. that sounds wonderful yeah that's big you definitely <laughs> open that mouth wide <laughs> if i did that i'd be shooting across the room so then we had a bit of a transition no pun intended but we did and so now uh, it seems like you're looking at parkinson's in the face i am they uh year before last um
3: My husband actually had uh, started going to a daycare at that point to give me some relief Mm -hmm. and to make him get out a little bit, too. Mm -hmm. Sure. Because he was wanting just to stay right in bed at home. Mm -hmm. And I started having a tremor in my left hand. Oh, my goodness. And when I went in, the doctor said Parkinson's. What? Uh, Wow. uh, We've dealt with it. Yeah. Have
1: your children been supporting you through they this? They have been very
3: supportive.
1: Yeah, I can imagine it must be difficult for them to watch both of their parents. Uh, they, it has. Mm. Uh, but
3: when they were so supportive, with when um, Billy had uh, mm-hmm. been home, and they would be uh, there, matter of fact, part of the time they would even spend the night with me.
1: So, what are some of the feelings, if you're willing to share, what are some of the feelings that you had when you received your diagnosis? Well, at
3: least I knew that Parkinson's does not kill you.
1: Yeah, true. (laughs) You didn't run to WebMD and Google to see if I'm going to die from this, right? I didn't say I'm going to die. I said, now, how can I handle this? Yeah, yeah.
3: And I decided one day at a time.
1: Sounds like you have a very, very positive attitude. I I, I really appreciate you sharing some of your story. But Uh I want to hear a little bit more from Blake about exactly how does the Parkinson's Foundation support families and individuals affected by this disorder in our community?
2: Sure. And I'd I'd love to say that I'd also love to say that uh, Pat and I come from the same hometown of Rocky Mount. And when we met each other, it was just like, and old friends, oh, That's awesome. <laughs> and, and her family is so involved in what we do, and we just love their whole family and just appreciate them so much. So you've heard me, you've mentioned the Parkinson's Foundation, you've heard me say the National Parkinson's Foundation, because we're going through a merger right now oh. with the Parkinson's Disease Foundation, and technically... To confuse me more. Technically, get <laughs> this. We are the uh, National Parkinson Foundation Division of the Parkinson's Foundation, it's it's a wow. merger merger okay. process. We are becoming the Parkinson's Foundation with this great sister organization we have. And um, but right now I'll, I'll speak to you a little bit about what we as the, at the National Parkinson Foundation division do. Okay. Um the biggest thing we we have is a helpline. Well, I wouldn't say the biggest thing, but I want people to know about this. It's a helpline. If you have Parkinson's or if or if you know someone who does and you have questions about it, call 1-800-4PD-INFO. Okay.
1: PD, like Parkinson's, Parkinson's disease. Parkinson's
2: disease. 1-800-4PD-INFO. That is staffed by five or six social workers and nurses and therapists. They speak uh, Spanish and English, and they can answer virtually any question Is this you 24-7,
1: have. 2 in the morning? It's not 24-7, okay. 2 in the morning, but um,
2: <laughs> these people are available typically during the day, and they are just wonderful people. Uh, I, I love knowing about them. Oh,
1: And you do have an event coming up.
2: That's right. Um, we have an event coming up at moving day. It's on October the first. It's a Sunday afternoon this year. That'll be a Coca booth amphitheater. Um, we have lots of other resources and things that we do in the community. It sounds like we're running out of time, but I'd love for anyone out there in Radio land to uh, feel free to contact me or get in touch with uh, someone at the National Parkinson Foundation through our helpline and contact me. I'd love to tell you about all the stuff that we, we do and how we support the community. It's very exciting. Yeah,
0: He is Blake Tedder. He is the Community Development Manager with the Parkinson's Foundation. And again, that phone number, if uh, you're looking for some support, is 1 800 4 PD, as in Parkinson's disease, info. 1 800 4 PD info. And a big thank you to Pat Nelson, who uh, sh- shared a, a very inspirational story. Uh, Pat, your your strength is is admirable, and thank you so much for joining us. We'll be back in just a bit. You're listening to Aging Matters, the care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. You're listening to News Radio 680 WPTF. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care who you can find online anytime at transitionslifecare.org. And uh, Jason Kong here, Nicole Bruno representing Transitions Guiding Lights and Transitions Life Care as well today. Cooper is not here, but uh, no. you're still you're still with coffee, which is I impressive. I am.
1: I think he's out turkey hunting. Well, my guess.
0: That wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> um, because he he's a little bit of a turkey himself. Right? <laughs> And Cooper, I'll I'll be happy to say that next week when you're actually here in the room. You would say it to
1: his face. We know. He knows. (laughs) It's all good.
0: Well, uh, we're uh, we're continuing our, our show here, and we've got a great guest. We've got Meg Rader, who's the president and executive director of Alliance Medical Ministry. And Meg, thank you so much for being on the show today.
4: Well, thank you for having me.
0: Now, tell us a little bit about the Alliance Medical Ministry. What is that?
4: Well, Alliance Medical Ministry is a comprehensive primary care clinic, and we serve working uninsured adults in Wake County. So working uninsured. Working uninsured, right. When we um, were established about 14 years ago, our founders realized that the gap in our community were those folks who uh, made too much to have Medicaid, mm-hmm. but yet did, could not afford health insurance or health insurance wasn't provided through their employer. And so that was the gap that we, we were established to, to address.
1: So that's interesting. I'm wondering, and this is sort of a random question, sometimes my mind goes like this, but since the installation of Obamacare, have you found that there could potentially need to be a shift in your mission? Because most people, I mean, maybe I'm, be, I'm no, maybe wrong. No, I think that's but, a great question, okay. and we get asked that all <laughs> yeah. the time,
4: and especially as, as everything was rolled out. Yeah. So um, on the Affordable Care Act, Part of that, and the big picture, was that Medicaid would expand, mm-hmm. and and so folks would either have the opportunity when they were in that gap, they'd either be able to qualify for the um, ACA or Medicaid could, mm-hmm. could pick them up. And w- without being without having expanded Medicaid, there's still that gap. Okay, um, of those folks who still can't qualify for the ACA, we had about 135,000 um, uninsured adults in Wake County prior to the ACA that were working that were uninsured okay about 90 90 of those are working working okay and then um once the ACA rolled out and people were able to to find health care on the marketplace and get insurance they um the number is now about 90,000 uninsured okay adults in Wake County so we were able to cover quite a few which is great and we probably had you know maybe 500 or so patients that we think were able to to get insurance and we were we really wanted to help them navigate that system and get insurance, so that was great. And then we just filled them with the other with the other folks that are still out there that need access to primary care.
1: So I'm guessing a lot of these folks that you see uh, when they first become involved with your organization probably have not been seen by a primary care physician in a really, really, really long time.
4: That's exactly right. Um, and there's reports and statistics out there to to back up the the. The, the anecdotal information that we have and is that when patients establish themselves at Alliance, they haven't been to the doctors and we know that uninsured patients are more likely to not have had any long-term care or primary care in their world, mostly just running into the emergency room for, for issues. So they tend to have chronic issues and they tend to um, to, any excess resources they have, they're going to be be helping and supporting their families and connecting those resources and seem to be the last people to take care of themselves. Of course, yeah. So they come in and we, 78% of our patients have one or more chronic diseases. So we're talking about wow. diabetes, hypertension, obesity, um, issues that just don't get fixed overnight. Sure.
1: And so these folks that come to you for the first time and they haven't seen you in it been anywhere in a long time, I'm guessing once they make that connection and then there's this feeling of, wow, this place is actually going to take care of me, I'm guessing that some of your nurses and ancillary staff might start hearing about some other things going on in their lives that they may need support. So do you provide... Besides the medical piece, you know, connection to resources, social
4: service type supports or referrals. how does that work? We sure do. Um, I, when I you first introduced me, I was sure I was sure to say comprehensive care. <laughs> that's really, really important. We have a very robust mental health program Wow um, offering pastoral care, family counseling, individual counseling, crisis counseling. You know, it really is a mind, body, and spirit. Folks are coming in needing to be healed, and that's physical as mm-hmm. well as mental. And the mental piece certainly directly influences their physical health. We also have a very robust garden and wellness program. We have a large community garden. Oh wow! We um, harvest about two thousand pounds of produce every year, and wow. that's that's amazing. Yeah. That's provided directly to our patients. Wow in the clinic so you come for a checkup and you walk out with With a bag of a bag of lettuce and vegetables what was the
0: inspiration behind that
4: the the access to fresh healthy affordable food got the grocery desert direct Mm -hmm. impact on your health and so the that's what birthed the garden and we were hearing that in the clinic and the doctors were saying we got we we got to do something besides write a prescription here we got to figure out how to uh, connect the resources and and help our patients in other ways to help change behaviors. And then from that came the variety of wellness programs that we have. We do diabetes education program Mm -hmm. in Spanish and English. We do prevention diabetes prevention program. We even have a weekly yoga class that is probably the most popular (laughs) thing we do, as well as a number of other things, cooking classes and gardening classes, all with an effort to really surround our patients and journey with them and help those to change those health outcomes
1: so these are patients that are coming to you that are working that don't have insurance do they pay
4: you or how does that work how does that work well we have a sliding scale okay um, co-pay and we have felt from the beginning of our um, clinic that having our patients invest in their health care and be part mm-hmm. of the team that that made sense and so the average copay is like 20 or 25 oh, a wow. visit and that visit that includes the lab work that includes the time with the physician that would include the time if they end up da- walking down the hall and speaking with someone from the pastoral care and counseling team that includes access to all of the wellness programs which are free mm-hmm. every anything from the garden which is free and any connections and working with our social workers and case managers on connecting with resources. So that $25 gets them a long way.
1: So what I'm wondering is, I know some of the biggest issues, uh, just for people in general, regardless of insurance or not, uh, it has to do with the cost of prescriptions, though. So so say you go and you've been having a whole bunch of hosts of different syst- uh, symptoms and you get diagnosed with diabetes. Well, gosh, you know, then you've got to get, you know, a glucometer. You have to get, potentially take insulin or a, a long-acting medication all day long. Do you have any programs with local pharmacies to kind of help? help alleviate the cost of the prescriptions because gosh I know there was one time one of my kids was on a medication that was sort of on a super high tier and it was costing me two hundred dollars a month.
4: Yes and that is a huge barrier and roadblock mm-hmm. for folks, right? They 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 may get the, the care but then how, do you how they pay for that it? prescription. And we do. We have we do all the applications for our patients to to be able to access free and mm-hmm. reduce cost medications and even crisis uh, funding for some crisis, um, crisis funding so that we can get prescription medication completely free, and especially some of it's that higher cost and we can't access it for free. So we've got a lot of different programs that help us do that. But the other important thing that you just mentioned in regard to prescriptions is also the over the counter medication, oh, right? Yeah. was the last time you got had to get uh, cold medicine for your child? Oh gosh, I mean, you, that runs up quick. Yes. So we're even provide that. We'll provide the over counter the medications for people who come in and it's uh, you know they've got a cold, they need Mucinex, they need ibuprofen, they need cough drops. So you do you care for children They'll as well? The, no, just, no adults, just adults. Just adults, okay. But adults get colds too. We do so we provide <laughs> all of <laughs> that for them, and you know, allergy season, and we're able to do um, do a lot, and the uh, over the counter. Um, medications that we provide are done through donations. We have groups, churches, office groups that'll do that'll that'll do drives for over the counter medications.
1: Wow, that's that's absolutely amazing. So, kind of wondering, you seem ex- like an extremely passionate person. What gets you up and charged to to run every single day? Well,
4: it's it's seeing the progress of patients, mm-hmm. right? We there's this continuum. I'm convinced of a lot of organizations are serving the same population, housing job training, health care, and if we, we come in at healthcare, care, but if we can all tie together, it will really make a difference ultimately in people's lives. If they can come along this continuum, get, have good health, they'll become, it'll help them be better parents, it'll help them be better workers, mm-hmm. they'll be able to stabilize, and that'll even make an impact on their financial stability of their family, and it'll make long-term connections for them and life-changing opportunities.
0: certainly will. Our guest is Meg Rader. She's the president and executive director of Alliance Medical Ministry, and we'll continue our discussion in just a bit. You're listening to Aging Matters, the care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care, which you can find online at transitionslifecare.org. This is News Radio 680 WPTF. This is News Radio 680 WPTF. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. You can find them online at transitionslifecare.org. Jason Kong here, Nicole Bruno over there with Transitions Guiding Lights. Cooper Linton out this week, but he will be back next week. <laughs> we we can't go, it, contractually, we can't go two weeks without
1: Cooper. <laughs> oh, his head's really going to be big now. <laughs> I know,
0: well, I, I, I called him a turkey last segment. So I, I <laughs> now you got to build I, them back up, build right? Build him back up, <laughs> but it, it's it's what we do. And, and what we also do is we're talking to Meg Rader, who's the president and executive director of of Alliance Medical Ministry, which is a faith-based nonprofit providing comprehen- uh, a comprehensive medical home to the working uninsured in Wake County. And Nicole, we're, we're having a, a really interesting discussion because they're serving uh, an, an underserved population.
1: They sure are. You know, Meg, I'm really enjoying speaking to you. It's almost like we're kindred, kindred spirits. <laughs> I love working with and talking with people who don't silo themselves. You know, you're all about making connections and doing what you can with your organization, but then also connecting to others to build that home for those individuals and really wrap your arms around them. So I I just think that's absolutely amazing. I'm curious to, to hear a little bit about how you all connect your patients to outside resources, being that I represent an organization that connects caregivers to resources throughout our community, typically for folks with chronic conditions, typically older adults. I'm wondering how you do something similar within your organization.
4: We do, um, we do connect our patients to resources, and we do it in a number of ways. <clears throat> being in a primary care setting, the doctors are going to hear a lot in conversation mm-hmm. as they're getting to know their patients and um visiting with them as well as through the pastoral care and counseling program. So we've got folks who are who are trained, who are listening, good listeners, and trying to understand the full picture of mm-hmm. their patient. And most of the time that involves some connecting resources. And we're not the expert in all of these fields, mm-hmm. but we've got great partnerships and collaborations with folks that are. And that's just really important for us to be able to do what we do. Was to involve more people and organizations in the community. Um, one of the strongest partnerships we have is in, is around work, mm-hmm. and we do serve the working uninsured. But working can be a very organic term, mm-hmm. and we know that our patients are working multiple shifts, maybe seasonal, multiple jobs, maybe multiple jobs, maybe uh, right now they don't work, their spouse works. Mm-hmm. All that's okay, but we've built strong partnerships with workforce development organizations. Step Up Ministry and Dresser Success and NC Works, really trying to connect our patients to opportunities to um, get life skills and job training skills when that's important. But everything we do, our garden, our wellness, all of that is with um, collaborations and involving Experts in those particular areas to come in and help us and help our patients.
1: I love how you're trying to serve those folks in the gap because there's so much, and I'm not picking on either side, but there's so much attention to give being given to those who aren't working, and there's so much access to those who really have really strong jobs. It's these people in the middle, they really, really suffer. What do you find some of the greatest challenges are for your organization to provide care in our community?
4: I would say that building the partnerships is huge because mm-hmm. our patients do need. other 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 things they're facing enormous barriers Mm -hmm. which are directly affecting their health so if we're going to strive for better health outcomes we've got to begin as a community and certainly as an organization to looking to how do we break down the barriers that are affecting people's health and those are jobs and financial insecurity and Transportation mm-hmm. and housing, all those issues come to bear.
1: So if you were to wave a magic wand and say to our legislatures, do this, <laughs> do this, please. I I command you. You now are under my spell. How could we better serve that underserved community? What could they do to make a big difference?
4: Well, I could speak to what I would wave the magic wand uh-huh. on what we would be able to do sure. as an organization. And that's that's um, capacity, capacity. Right, we have ninety thousand uninsured people mm-hmm. in Wake County. And that how we many need do you to serve? serve? We serve about three, wow. and there are a number of other wonderful safety net organizations. But we're all only serving, you know, a, a handful. A handful sort of speak. Yeah. in the big <laughs> yeah. picture. Yeah. So access. We have a beautiful campus, a wonderful facility, and we have room to grow. But it's having the the funding to to have other doctors and be able to make all these continued connections in the community. So. You know that the capacity we need to we need we need to grow in order to serve and to serve all these folks. The legislature, there's so many different uh, there's so many different <laughs> dynamics <laughs> at the legislature. The <laughs> I um, I will leave that in the hands of people who who understand that much better. But I think looking at you know, expanding Medicaid is is still happening, and that conversation is still on the table. Um, uh, I think that, um, you know, the I think that's probably the biggest thing going on and then how to how do we how do we do that and effectively effectively help our community and the people that that Medicaid expansion would would serve but again I think there's a lot smarter people working on those issues.
1: So you're serving 3,000 people. How do they find you? How do they get in contact with you?
4: Oh I'm so glad you asked that. We have um, wonderful referral partners at our hospitals and of course Wake Med is the highest they serve the highest number of indigent patients and so we do get a Good number that come from Wake Med. Um, half probably come from our hospital partners. The majority of that from Wake Med, and the others are coming through our community connections as well as self referrals. Right, they're telling their neighbor, their spouse, Word mouth their huge. friend. Word of mouth has become huge over the years.
0: Very good, Meg Rader, the president and executive director of Alliance Medical Ministry. Thank you so much for joining us today. <laughs> thank
4: you, thank you so much.
0: Absolutely. And uh, again, if uh, you want to find more information about them, www.alliancemedicalministry.org, and we'll also have a link on the Aging Matters section of wptf.com. If uh, if you couldn't remember that in time, well, Nicole, before we get out of here, we got some housekeeping that we need to take care of. The we Caregivers do. Summit.
1: Summits, excuse me.
0: I I don't want to sell ourselves short, but uh, gaining a a lot of interest from people, lots of signups, and uh, it's no surprise why.
1: Yeah, so um, we've been sort of beating the drum here, but I just want to make sure everybody is aware we have four upcoming caregiver summits. Basically, the idea behind these is it's to provide you with respite, resolution and resources, full day conferences that provide a whole host of uh, different classes you can take, resource booths that you can visit how to take care of yourself lunch I mean it's all included um, and we would love to have you come on out we serve between all four of these summits about 1500 people in our community every single year so first one coming up on June the 13th at the McKimmon uh, Conference Center in Raleigh then quickly followed up by June 20th at the Durham Convention Center in Durham then a little bit further out in August we have one in Chapel Hill at the Friday Center and then in closing we have one in Lillington in October and I know Blake was here a little earlier from the pa- Parkinson's Foundation or the Parkinson's 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 Foundation. I don't know. <laughs> division of the uh, th- there, there was of an the awful division. lot of Parkinson's in that, in that <laughs> whole merger situation, but they have been amazing supporters of our summits for the past three years, and they are back again this year, which is something, you know, this, this summit really tries to reach out to a lot of the organizations that. F- that, that touch folks with chronic conditions and we'd like to have them represented there as well so folks can get connected
0: yeah it's a great opportunity and uh, there's you know obviously multiple uh, chances that you have to attend so uh, if if this would help you in the least bit uh, please get on it now Uh caregiversummits.org is the website right. that you can go to and again if you can't remember that we also have <laughs> a link on the aging matters page of wptfcom a, a big thank you again to Meg Rader, president and again Executive Director of Alliance Medical Ministry, also to Blake Tedder, the Community Development Manager of the Parkinson's Foundation, and his special guest, uh, Pat Nelson, who uh, shared a a very powerful story. If if you missed that, I really encourage you to go to WPTF.com, and this episode is is posted there if you want to listen back to that or share it with a friend. Uh, Some great resources for anyone who may be uh, dealing with Parkinson's or be caring for someone with with, Mm -hmm. uh, Parkinson's as well. Well, we we are just about out of time. So, I will encourage you to join us again next week, Saturday nights at 7 o'clock for Aging Matters, Care and Comfort sur- that Surrounds You, a service of Transitions Life Care. We'll see you next week. You're listening to News Radio 680 WPTF.